Humanist Take on the World, episode 13. What's a cult? Welcome to the episode of Humanist Take on the World. This is Dustin, and it's just me right now. So first off, I want to cover some the feedback I got on the last episode, which was, wait, only nine minutes? <laughs> yep. I was recovering from COVID still, so I thought I was up for recording, and then I got started and turned out, nope, I wasn't really up for that. So I was still fine with getting that out, but uh, yeah, it's been pretty crazy this month, or this past month, six weeks, or... <laughs> Between the vacation and then getting COVID and then recovering from that and then a family gathering at Lauren's family's cabin and then we've got another one of those coming up. So uh, Lauren and Kylie are out at a park right now, so I'm going to take advantage of the time to get an episode out. So that's one of the points of redoing the schedule was to make it a little bit more flexible. Uh, Unfortunately, there is one issue that's come up with that is... I don't know if I've really adapted to that well, and I feel a little bit more disconnected from the podcast. So hopefully, uh, once we get through the summer, get settled back into a little bit more normal, that'll get, get a little better on that. So the concept of a cult, what even is that? I know I've covered it before, before the rebranding, and this will be a different coverage of it. So in its colloquial usage, that's usually just code for, I'm a religious person, I don't like that group. They're the wrong kind of religious person. Uh, that's a pretty common one. Then, But when you look at the history of the development, it's actually pretty interesting. So in the development of the concept, there was the work of a German theologian, Ernst Troilisch, who did a church sect typology, and then Max Weber advanced that. And then Howard Becker uh, expanded it a bit more. So, yeah, and, and they were sociologists, those last two. And so the, the concept was basically, there is a church, which is a state-sponsored church. So the Roman Catholic Church, the Church of England, the Lutheran Church, the Calvinist Church, the Russian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox... Like, those are just, those are the churches. Then there are denominations. And the denominations are, like, Baptists and Methodists. Not Episcopalians, because they fall under Church of England, which is a church, because it's state-sponsored. Then you have sects, which would include groups like Adventists and Quakers, because they aren't part of those traditional denominations. Uh, But then there's also institutionalized sects which have it started off as this just unorganized mass of poor people forming a new church but they've adopted the bureaucracy of you know a denomination and Adventists would absolutely fall into that category and then there's the concept of a cult which is even crazier than that and usually with very charismatic stuff Now, what's interesting with that one is with the charismatic part and and the individualism was also a factor in, is it just a sect or is it a cult? And 
like what's crazy with that is Pentecostalism usually got put into the sect category. It's all about charisma. It's all about the having prophetic visions and speaking in tongues and all of that kind of stuff, which based on these basic concepts, yeah, when everybody's a prophet, you would think that would make it a cult. Uh, if you've got cults, oh, if you've got a charismatic leader, which using the term charismatic, that's not the modern version of a charismatic leader as being somebody who just people will follow. It's somebody who has a direct line to God, where the leader is a prophet. Mormon church definitely fits into that. Joseph Smith was a prophet, and everybody who has led the Mormon church since then has also been a prophet. Okay, so that one gets thrown into the cult category. But the Adventist church had a leader who was a prophet, but she wasn't the head of the church. She was married to one of the leaders when it was in the sect category, and then when they became an institutionalized sect, she was married to the number two guy, and then the number one guy retired, and her husband became the leader till he died. Well, as time went on, she got pushed further and further away from leadership, literally pushed away from leadership. Uh, once she got out of her depression after James White died, uh, she got shipped off to Australia. Church headquarters were in Battle Creek, Michigan, and she got shipped off to Australia. And then she came back, and they shipped her off to California. Like, that was all a part of it becoming more... Like, it was drifting, would have been drifting from the sect category to the cult category, and then finally into the institutionalized sect category. And then there's always a chance of it becoming fully a denomination if it, if it lasts long enough and has enough bureaucracy to become a denomination. That was the concept developed in the 1920s and 30s. That got picked up on in the 1960s when sociologist John Laughlin lived with a South Korean missionary, first members of the Unifica Unification Church in America in California. And the Unification Church was a church founded in, founded in South Korea with a charismatic leader who declared himself to be the Son of God, one that is, by basically any definition, a cult. Like, at the point that you're the leader is claiming divinity, yeah, it's absolutely a cult. So, he did a lot of look and writing into how they worked. Um, he did his doctoral thesis based off of his findings from, from interacting with these people. And his thesis was called The World Savers, A Field Study of Cult Processes. And that was in 1964. In 1966, he wrote a book uh, called Doomsday Cult, A Study of Conversion, Proselytization, and Maintenance of Faith. One of the big things he noted was the way it grew was through personal relationships. Most conversions were family members of members. So the rest of the conversions were develop a friendship, convert the person, and then you convert their family members. And that's how you get it to spread. So that was going on. Uh, 
Then, in the 1970s and 80s, there were Hindu gurus from India immigrating to the United States, usually starting up in the L.A. area and starting what was being viewed as cults in the U.S. And this started the Christian anti-cult movement. And the Christian counter-cult movement had a much simpler way of identifying, is it a cult or not? If it is definitely one version is if they adhere to the Nicene Creed, they are not a cult. If they don't, they are. Slightly more liberal version of that is if they at least agree with the tenets of the Nicene Creed, whether or not they actually follow the creed, they're not a cult. And the even more liberal version of it was if it is clearly Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, or Protestant, it is not a cult. If it doesn't fit into one of those categories, it's a cult. That resulted in, because by that time, the Seventh Adventist Church had gone from being non-Trinitarian, uh, God was God, the Holy Spirit was not a person, and Jesus was the Son of God, uh, not necessarily God, was divine, but not necessarily, but not God. Uh, to the full Christian trinity. That was really completed by about 1952, when, <laughs> but not in time for the 1950s hymnal, uh, for the doxology and updating it to uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Uh, that didn't happen until the 1980s Adventist hymnal. Uh, but the Adventist church had successfully moved its way into clearly Protestant, and no major issues with any of the tenets of the Nicene Creed, despite being very anti-Creed. So they would have fallen into the Protestant group, not the cult group. Jehovah's Witnesses have stayed non-Trinitarian. Mormons are non-Trinitarian. Therefore, they got put in the cult group as did the Unification Church, as did anything Hindu with white people in it, uh, as would anything Buddhist with white people in it, as would anything remotely uh, Native American or American Indian and with white people in it. Like, anything non-Christian with white people would clearly be a cult. If it's all brown, pe brown and black people, yeah, whatever. But if they got white people in it, it's a cult. Yeah. Then came the secular anti-cult movement. This started in the late 1970s. It was based off of the Christian anti-cult movement, but was predominantly run by psychiatrists and psychologists who based on some research done on American soldiers who went through the, re the Chinese re-education camps during the Korean War, and the popularizing in films about brainwashing, they concluded that cult members are brainwashed and that they needed to be deprogrammed. 
And so they started working really hard on deprogramming. Uh, a lot of this was caused by family members of members of these groups that were being identified as cults, uh, noticing changes in their, their children's behavior, and noticing definite strain in the relationships with their children. Most of the recruits were in their teens and 20s, a time particularly known for changes in behavior and strain in parent-child relationships. That being said, your child getting sucked into some weird religion and doing weird things based on that weird religion, that would be concerning. And so that started the kidnapping people who were cult members to lock them up with psychiatrists uh, to be deprogrammed, uh, something that many of the, these patients um, viewed as very unethical and, and bordering on torture. While, on the other hand, there are a fair number of people who, when they got out of these cults, found themselves to have felt like what they went through was in the cult was very unethical, very damaging, and bordering on, if not torture. And in some cases, absolutely torture. Uh, so there's, there's definitely a lot of variation. Uh, eventually, the secular anti-cult movement or counter-cult movement uh, shifted into the satanic panic and vanished. Amazingly, since then, we haven't really heard or seen much about cults other than in film. Uh, there was lots of stuff about cults in the 70s and 80s. There was, you know, I know one thing I've seen in movies, especially from the 70s and 80s, and especially from National Lampoon, uh, like Airplane, where there's competing cult missionaries at the airport trying to convert people. Because that was actually a thing that was happening at that time. Uh, the September 11, September 11 terrorist attacks, of course, stopped that because, yeah, you, you don't mess with people at airports anymore. And if you don't have a ticket, you don't get very far. So cult recruiting in airports stopped. Uh, and by cult, we'll get back to that more later. Uh, there are still groups that, that, that are easily being lumped in as cults. Uh, happening now uh, a lot of them are in california uh and like one recent one uh the actress who played chloe in smallville uh has been a member of some weird sex cult some of the most notable would be the rajneesh movement uh, inspired by indian mystic bawagan Sri rajneesh who took over the town of Antelope, Oregon, uh, renamed it Rajneeshpuram, drove out everybody else living in the town, uh, started trying to take over the city of the Dells, the bigger town nearby, and eventually uh, plotted to murder a U.S. attorney. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix about this one. There is the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ, which existed between 1954 and 1978, founded in Indianapolis, Indiana, by Jim Jones. They relocated, 
Well, they spread and relocated headquarters to San Francisco uh, before relocating finally to Jonestown, Guyana, where 909 people died to mass suicide and mass murder. Then there was the Heaven's Gate cult, which was founded in 1974 and mixed Christian millenarianism with New Age and UFOlogy, that is, you know, belief in UFOs, it's been characterized as a UFO religion. Uh, they believe that their their bodies, well, their that their spirits could exit their bodies and they could be immortal extraterrestrial beings moving to the next level uh, when rescued by the mothership. Uh, they then went on to believe that that mothership was the Hale-Bopp Comet, and all died in mass suicide uh, on March 26, 1997, with 39 active members. Uh, interestingly, I was about seven miles from there when they did that. There have been other, definitely other cults, um, but those are some of the more notable and extreme cases. I want to shift now to some of the criticism of the concept of everything we've talked about. Because another word for cult is new religious movement. That is a neutral, more sociological term, where cult, while it started out as a neutral term, because the word cult literally refers to group of beliefs. So... The cult of Mary within the Catholic Church would be people who adhere to belief, specific beliefs about Mary or practices about Mary. Uh, and basically any church could be called a cult under the most, and could be called a cult. Not a cult, because that's a different thing. That means hidden. Uh, but a cult over... The fact that it is a, they have a particular group of practices and religious beliefs, and that is the old academic term. It gets used a lot with that same meaning in archaeology still, and in anthropology. Uh, but in the modern usage around current religious groups, it is very much more... Um, its usage varies between bizarre religious groups that seem to be actually harming people, which in some cases absolutely have, uh, to religious group I don't like. New religious movement is a much more neutral term. Uh, it, depending on who you're asking, starts with anything since 1950, anything since World War II, or anything since the mid-1800s. And when they start, tells you who they defined that, who they're defining that term to include. If they're going with since the 1950s, they're looking to get Jim Jones and Hale-Bopp and the cult that took over Antelope. If they're going with since World War II, then they're trying to include the Unification Church and Reverend uh, Moon, the Moonies, 
And if they're going with the mid-1800s, they're trying to capture... Oh, and Scientology absolutely fits even into that, that, early, that most recent group. Uh, if they're going with the mid-1800s, then they're also capturing Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and Church of Christian Science, the faith healing group. Generally speaking, a new religious movement would end up being defined as a movement started since the predetermined starting point that doesn't fit neatly into the categories of any other religion. So this again would end up being one that would exclude Adventists because, yeah, they, they're, they're Protestant. Pentecostals would be excluded because they're Protestant. They may be newer movements, but yeah, they're, they're Protestant. They don't need to be in there. Uh, some of the gurus that started what people have considered cults would be considered new religious movements if they deviated enough from standard uh, Hinduism. If they don't deviate that much and they're not a new religious movement, Baha'i would end up being counted as a new religious movement if you're going with the mid-1800s, because it started around that time and also was spreading rapidly in the United States in the heyday of cults slash new age slash new religious movements. Some criticism of using the term new religious movement is that some of these groups are actually dangerous like the heaven's gate cult where members of the cult castrated themselves and then committed suicide well castrated themselves and later committed suicide uh like yeah there there's obviously have been some that have been very dangerous so being watchful for movements that could go down that kind of a dark path uh you know the the branch davidians would also fit in with this with uh, David Koresh and the, the Waco massacre. You know, you need to watch out for this because these bizarre groups can go crazy. Uh, a lot of them end up being scams just to get money out of people, but so much of religion is a scam to get money out of people. It's really tricky to figure out where you draw a line if you're wanting to have the terms new religious movement and cult separate. I th- if I remember correctly, when last talking about this topic, I came to the conclusion that the term cult has no meaning because all religious beliefs, you know, to, to an atheist or a humanist, all religious belief is dangerous, damaging, and, well, dangerous. So where to draw the line is entirely arbitrary, and it just supports the status quo of the existing religious groups. I th- think my position is shifting, though. To, there is a line where cult is worthwhile, and I think I would draw the line at when members cut off family ties, when members drop out of society, or when converts cut family ties, or drop out of society, or visibly lose grasp of reality, then or, or move into a commune. Yeah, I I think you'd be safe in calling it a cult. And I think when you, if you look at it that way, the line's a lot further towards the mainstream than a lot of Christians would be comfortable with. 
All right, that wraps up this episode. Uh, so if you want to contact us, uh, you can use the contact form, the feedback form at htotw.com slash contact. You can leave us a voicemail message at 208-996-8667 or use the SpeakPipe button at htotw.com slash SpeakPipe. If you would like to support the show, you can find out how at htotw.com donate. And you can support us on a monthly basis through Patreon, or we also take one-time donations through PayPal, Credit, Debit, Apple Pay, and Google Pay. Uh, we've got a Discord server. If you want to check that out, not a whole lot of activity right now, at htotw.com slash Discord. Show notes can be found at htotw.com, and as well as links to everything else, and that's really all you need to know. Thanks for listening. And remember, not all those who wander are lost. Mm-hmm.